It takes 18 months to get a handgun license. Wow. And you need it's... to shoot 10 competitions a year to maintain it. But the cops shoot once a year and can carry firearms. Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Let Them Eat Cake. As always, my name is Jack. My co-hosts are John and Ace. Today, we are talking to Jordan, the founder of A Better Way 2A, an organization whose entire motivation amounts to detoxifying American gun culture and the issues associated with that, as well as much more. We go into Australian guns and a bunch of other stuff around the Second Amendment and the toxic culture. But before that, let's get into some headlines. Uh, first story is going to be about uh, Ukraine and America's aid and the potential of it drying up because of Israel, as they would call it a stalemate on the front lines. Um, so this claim has come from MSNBC. Uh, the claim is that America and NATO have hinted to Ukraine that they may have to fall to peace negotiations, basically because of multiple reasons, running out of soldiers, money, no results. And this is all despite the Russian forces still occupying the country. The claims come from two unnamed sources from MSNBC, claimed to be high-ranking officials in the US government. And this is the typical sourcing that corporate press does when they lack three corroborating sources like you should. According to the report, the talks began due to the U European and American officials fearing that the conflict had reached an impassable point, which is what I mentioned before, that they're, they're labeling it a stalemate. Among other issues like protests against conscription and America shifting its money to Israel because of the Israeli-Palestine war, obviously. This conclusion was and is ultimately inevitable, I think. Uh, this is also caused doubt in the minds of the US Congress uh, because of these lack of return from the money that they've given them. So it seems that they're a little bit more resistive to further aid packages. Zelensky is pretty much the way he's always been, which is there will be no peace until Russia leaves and Ukraine regains all of its illegally annexed territory that has been taken since 2014, up to and including Crimea. Our chances of peace talks won't actually happen. Uh, but we can pretty much guarantee that the information warfare agents will use this to their advantage. So keep an eye out for this. It could potentially be used. Uh, I was going to say this is partly cope because the U.S. government can't function right now because of how fucking terrible Congress is. Yeah. I, I, they literally can't. Definitely has a lot to do with that as well. They literally tried to pass the fucking aid to Ukraine and Israel and failed. And Israel. Yeah, it was a double aid package. Interesting. And they failed. They were tied together or something. Because hmm. the new speaker is like super fascist. And also, here's what's funny. You know George Santos, right? The like con artist yes. in government? Yep. So <laughs> he got like um, indicted, right? Yeah. He didn't get kicked out of the Senate. They didn't get a two-thirds majority. Democrats Seriously? voted to keep him. What the fuck? They right? like him. He's like everybody's gay best friend, kind of. No, they they're keeping him because it, like the the current speaker, they think that it's going to be good for them. The Republicans, they're like they're going to get so fascist that people will naturally come to mm -hmm. us. Like they literally kept him in there for like their own gain because it makes the Republicans weaker. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like my explanation better. Speaking mm -hmm. of terrible governments, so uh, Pakistan. Pakistan has abruptly declared the forced removal of up to 1.7 million Afghan nationals from their country. This was abruptly declared, like they announced it literally a month ago. To that, Imagine 1.7 million people moving out of somewhere in a month. 
technically it's considered an ethnic cleansing if you uh, put it at the most broad terms. Um, and I, I just keep saying, like, imagine if Turkey did this to Syrian refugees, because both the diasporas are pretty similar in uh, size. Uh, just at, it, Syria has been more sudden. Afghanistan's happened over a long period. Some of these people have never lived in Afghanistan because there's no like if you're born in Pakistan, it doesn't mean you're a citizen there. Right. So they haven't even given these people time to even get papers or they've been straight up refusing them as well. The Pakistani states. Literally, they won't answer the phone about it at all. They're just being like closed off and saying they're doing it for welfare and security. So one of the things is that they've pointed out is they're pointing to smuggling, like implying drug smuggling. But this would imply like um, them getting shorted on like imports from uh, Afghanistan because they probably import like stuff like pottery, grapes. They probably import a lot of grapes, big one, pottery, stuff like that. And they want to uh, maximize the like taxes and tariffs on that because like drugs, it's like, yeah, okay, drugs. Yeah, it's definitely the drugs that are disrupting your country. The main like uh, reason that other people like so-called experts, we, we guess we'd say more like journalists who in the mainstream press who want to just make shit up because they need to flesh out a story. They're saying like it's uh, because the TTP is like really good at bombing stuff. But like. To, to think that they would deport a bunch of Pashtun nationals through TTP territory, right? Like, that's just like asking, it's asking to empower both Taliban's. And uh, it's clear that the relationship is soured between Pakistan and the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which is not recognized by the United States and known as the Taliban since the uh, American withdrawal in August 2021. About 200,000 Afghans have reportedly already returned. Um, Pakistan's cr increasing to push deportations, however. The United States have apparently successfully put pressure to stop. Anyone who's awaiting resettlement in the United States is getting a halt, and they're trying to do it with other states, like uh, the UK, for example, is trying to do it. But so far, the United States have only been the ones who have allegedly halted this thing. What did the Taliban say? Okay, so the Haqqani Network, I mean, the Interior Ministry, the ministry invites the private sector to take action because of the profound humanitarian disaster caused by forced migration of hundreds of thousands of poor and needy. It is the duty of Islam and Afghans to stand up for your fellow countrymen. This is basically, uh, they literally just changed a few words about what they said about the earthquake, where they said, hey, we need you to work harder and somehow generate more money to accommodate 1.7 million people coming into the country now. Like, um, a lot of people are pointing at that it's really because Pakistan is mad at the Taliban and they're, like, doing this to, like, make them unstable. But the Taliban haven't been like, no, stop. We won't take them. They've been, all right. Oh, they're like, all right, do it. Send them. It's also Send winter. them. Things literally can't get worse. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's fucked up. I do want to point out um, uh, another thing is too, in a lot of like the uh, the Pashtun regions in Pakistan, um, uh, a lot of like shops and a lot of towns are just like refusing to open up. Like if you go onto the streets of some of these like cities and towns and like Pashtun areas of Pakistan, it's like it, at like you know peak hours, like five p.m. It is yeah, a ghost so town. there's an economic crisis, and that's also something that might be. That's why I said pointing at like the proper taxes and stuff. Mm. 
Like, the, I think this is, it might be like, because they're like not even being rational about it. Like, somebody was just like, hey, if we deport them all, then we can maximize our taxes coming in from Afghanistan to make money. I don't know, dude. Like, your guess is as good as mine. It's like one of the stupidest things I've seen a government do. Maybe seems like ever. A, seems like a really long way to get remittances. I mean, they use the same cop-out that every other government does. Security and welfare. Yeah, it's but... Like, what a joke. Um, no other government deports all illegals out of their country. 1.7 million deportations. Like, when has that happened? It's probably happened before, you know, like... I mean, from, from my World understanding, War II. Haven't, haven't, like, close to 200,000 already crossed the border into Afghanistan? Yeah, that's what I said. 200,000 okay. have already crossed. Gotcha. Just fuel, fuel for them. They can at least burn the bodies that die for warmth, I guess. Um, and like, think about this. Like, some of these people are musicians. What are they gonna? What job are they gonna do in Afghanistan? You know, what? what? Puppy farmer. It's banned under the Taliban, though, Jack. <laughs> Play the poppies music. <laughs> Speaking about poppies, this region is called the Golden Crescent. Guess why? Golden Triangle. But I think is it? I, I think, think it's yeah, the, Golden Triangle. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I think it should be called the Meth Myriad now, because that's that's what's making the money these days. It's not really the opium anymore, right? I just needed so, to say something you, though, real quick. Go ahead. How we were like, is it the golden crescent or golden triangle? My dumbass, okay. So the real the bump should be the Afghanistan and Pakistan is known as the Golden Crescent. And it has a similarity, or it has a relationship to the Golden Triangle, which is the other opium cultivation zone of the world. We've tried to talk about Myanmar on this show, and it appears that there's like a development that kind of has, forces us to bring attention to the issue. And so essentially what's, what's gone on over the last week and a half or so is uh, rebel coalitions in Myanmar co and I'm, I'm warning you now, the abbreviations in, in what I'm about to say are off the chain. But um, consisting of these, uh, these rebel coalitions, initially consisting of the Tang National Liberation Army, the, uh, the Myanmar National Democracy Alliance Army, and the Arakan Army. So we've got the TNLA, MNDAA, and the AA not Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, so they've, they've launched an offensive against the Burmese military junta in the northern Shan state, and they've called this operation Operation 1027 uh, in reference to the operation starting on October 27th. And some other rebel groups, like the People's Defense Forces, the PDF, which is probably one of the most well-known um, uh, anti-junta group, anti-junta rebel group in Myanmar, and the Kachin Independence Army, KIA, and the Burma People's Liberation Army have joined the offensive against these, uh, against the junta alongside the AA, the MNDAA, and the TNLA. So the PDF, uh, part of their, like, uh, assistance kind of to this, uh, to this offensive push is that they've deployed uh, a thousand drones, most of them likely homemade, against the military junta and these like pro pro junta militias in Northern Shan. So kind of as a result of this fighting, we're talking about like 23,000 people have been forced to flee their homes, according to the UN. Um, 
the coalition of, uh, of, of rebel forces have captured about like a little less than 90 uh, Junta outposts in the Northern Shan state. But that number, it's, it's hard to get like hard numbers on, on anything that goes on in Myanmar, but that's, that's, that's kind of what's as close as we get right here. They've also seized four towns in the state and they've killed probably hundreds of Junta troops and police officers. And on Thursday, the TNLA captured the Shuili Bridge, which uh, can cut off like this highway between Shan and Kachin State, which is very important because the the military junta is trying to uh, what is it mobilize two thousand troops to kind of um, move in to, uh, to 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 reinforce the junta positions that have been overrun in northern Shan. And one way that people thought that they might be able to do this was through using a highway with, uh, between Shan and Kachin. Now, um, it is important to note that this isn't necessarily kind of like a one-off offensive. Granted, it is a very large offensive and they've made the, the like anti-Junta rebel coalitions have made very significant progress in, in a small amount of time. However, uh, the the junta has kind of, I guess you could say, been exposed in in the past as this war has kind of dragged on. Um, the a lot of the you know anti junta uh, militia groups are, are not particularly well armed, and yet in a lot of areas or just around the country in general, uh, in the past they've been able to make significant gains. Now, not usually in this short period of time, but they've done it nonetheless. So something to keep in mind here is this northern Shan state, it borders China, and uh, China has called for an immediate ceasefire between the fighting parties there. And uh, this is probably because um, China is concerned about the influx of refugees that could come in through China, which has happened previously when there's fighting along the Burmese-Chinese border. And um, mortar shells will sometimes, from whichever side is shooting them, will end up on the Chinese side of the border and sometimes injure civilians. Uh, the area is also uh, near these pipelines that supply oil and gas to China. So if anything were to happen to those pipelines, it would kind of, it, would, it, would be, it, it wouldn't be great, right? And there's also a billion dollar railroad that China wants to plan to build in the area as part of the Belt and Road Initiative, although the, I don't know how, how how likely that is, to be honest, with all this going on. Um, another thing is, is that the Rebel Coalition says that part of this operation is to crack down on, like, cybercrime in the area, which is mostly run by the Junta and Junta Line militias. Um, some people, you know, some analysts are saying that this is just kind of them trying to appease to China to maybe gain like, uh, some sympathy or support, uh, and that they may not actually be that interested in cracking down on cybercrime, but who knows what their actual intentions are. That area in general, Northern Shan is like home to a lot of natural resources and smuggling routes. And, you know, the militias could try to control this. Um, the M, the MNDAA, for example, they've they've kind of got a history in this because uh, they they kind of formed in 1989 out of this like this Chinese-backed uh, communist group in uh, Myanmar, 
and um, they they were they were very uh, prominent in the opium trade up until about 2002, when they 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 themselves had kind of la- launched a uh, kind of like an anti op like an opium eradication process, so to speak. Now they make all their money off of meth, right? And their leader, who died about a year ago, had been identified by the DEA as like a prime like drug trafficker, going back to like 1975. Now, on the other hand, what's interesting is if you look at the uh, Tang National Liberation Army, the TNLA, is they're, they're an ethnic militia, and they're, they, they actually have a very hard anti-drug stance, right? They have like kind of like these drug rehabilitation programs, which are sometimes criticized as being a bit extreme. Um, they've been very adamant about eradicating opium and like kind of cracking down on drug usage in uh, their territories that they control. They're a lot more organized. They're kind of like, they're kind of more ingrained with Tang civil society. And they're kind of more ingrained by spreading their influence through like taxation and enforcing the law and things of that matter, right? Is that the ethnic group? Yeah, the Tang are the ethnic group. The TNLA is kind of like the the rebel group that's based around this ethnic group. You're gonna find that outside of the, um, the MNDAA and the PDF, basically all of these are ethnic militias. Even the MNDAA has has an ethnic sort of um, yeah. lean to it, but it's not as prominent as some of these other groups. Are there any yep. Rohingya uh, rebel groups, or are they all being so? That's kind of where the Arakan Army comes in. Um, they're not explicitly a Rohingya like. Uh, uh, ethnic militia due to my understanding they're more so concerned with the rakhine state or the rakhine state i'm not sure if i'm saying that right but it, it borders bangladesh and they're kind of just concerned with everyone in there and the rakhine state has a very significant rohingya population and as uh, a lot of you know there was a, there was there was a war in rakhine state kind of between 2018 and 2020 and that that's probably one out of like all the wars that ethnic militias have waged against um uh, the Burmese government, that was probably one of the most brutal, right? You're talking like 200,000, probably more than 200,000 displaced. You're looking at about a thousand people either dead or seriously wounded, 170 of them being children. And then following the, um, uh, the war, it was, it was, uh, the, the national league of democracy. So the government that got overthrown by the junta, decided to slap down i think it was like the world's longest internet blackout for like 18 months ironically the junta was the one that lifted it on the whole like uh rakhine state so that's part of that's part of it as well you also have the kachin who are probably the oldest of all these militia groups they kind of date back to the 1960s and explaining their entire history from that point forward would be a little bit hard but to to put it bluntly, they've they've kind of been fighting the Burmese government for a while now, in whatever form it may have come as. And um, in 2011, they um, they they started fighting the junta again. Not the junta. I'm sorry. The Burmese government again after a 17 year like ceasefire deal just kind of fell through, and that that war led to the displacement of about 100,000 people as well. So. As you can see here, it's a, it's a lot of different groups. I think another important thing to note is like the TNLA, right, is like up until 
fairly recently, it was kind of seen that the TNLA, because the TNLA had somewhat of a foothold, right, where they, they conducted almost something similar to like a functioning state. And they kind of had an understanding with the junta when the hostilities broke out following the coup that like, look, we don't necessarily like you, but we're going to stay out of each other's way. It's like, if you stay out of our way, we'll stay out of your way, right? So it's it's interesting to see now they're being, they're part of this like really large scale offensive against the junta. And it's kind of very interesting to see like a lot of these different groups. Like, like right, if you look at the PDF, we, we talked about the PDF um, uh, with... Antoine from Modern Insurgent on here, and they're 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 very young. You know, it's a lot of young people in that group. It's a lot of students. They emerged kind of out of like a student protest movement, and um, yeah, it, I think the other thing that we discussed on that podcast with Antoine was that um, uh, the junta is particularly old. Like a lot of the junta's leaders are very, very old dudes, which is like, you know, not shocking. But if you look at the videos that are coming out of Myanmar throughout this entire offensive, right? Because usually the videos you see out of Myanmar, some kind of like drive-by shooting and they'll like take a bunch of guns and, you know, they'll run off with it. But what you're seeing now is you're seeing like a lot of like captured Burmese like soldiers, right? And what you're seeing is... That's what um, I was going to say, is that if yeah. they mobilize as much as they do, it's just going to result in a lot of surround and captures. Ethiopia tried to do this with uh, after they droned the hell out of the Tigrayan militants. They tried to, like, over... They tried. They basically they sent, like, the Amhara militia, you know, not, like, actual military. And they uh -huh. would just keep sending them in there, and they would constantly be captured by yeah. the Tigrayans. It, and that's what's going to happen. The thing is, is like, and you look at a lot of these guys who are being captured. These are like active duty soldiers and police. They're old. We're talking like guys who look like they're in their fifties. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird to see because it's like if you're out there deploying like 50, 60 year olds in a in a in a battlefield, and it's not like you know some commanding officer. It, it it's it's very interesting. Now, to transition to another topic. Uh, John, I'm glad you brought up. Oh, I just wanted uh, to say real quick, if we're going to yes. finish on Myanmar, I wanted to say two things. Uh, this place was so bad that it's the plot of one of the Rambo movies, right? <laughs> it's They kind of take more of like a Pol Pot approach than what was actually going on, but still. Secondly, last uh, episode, I brought up at the end, I said, oh, real quick, I wanted to mention that we should probably look at Myanmar right now because there's been a lot of accelerated bombings by the military. It's a real yes. concern about how yeah, much that's... air power was going in. Yeah. And then like since then, since we've done that episode, maybe two, 14 days more, look at what's happened since. And I mean, that that is, that is the concern is that basically since there's a very good chance that the junta won't even be able to get to this area with troops is that they're going to increase airstrikes, which, as we know in the past in Myanmar and this conflict, have led to pretty significant civilian casualties. It's not really discriminant, right? So, yeah, um, I am glad you brought up how in Tigray, when they brought in the Amhara militias and stuff to kind of, I guess, clear out after the drone strikes had happened, because another group that kind of used to be the attack dog for uh, regular military way back in the day. And now they've kind of turned on that military. Uh, the Janjaweed, 
or the Rapids of Port Forces. Oh, they're about they to win. Now. They're about to win. It, it, it's it's what it's looking like, right? So the RSF has made some. I mean, again, kind of like Myanmar, they've made significant gains before, but they are making some really significant gains. Yeah, they control right now. all of Darfur, I think, at this point. They're they're, they're getting close. They they're getting close to controlling all the major population centers. So uh, they took control of the city of Niala which is the capital of South Darfur state and Sudan's second most populated city on October 25th. And then they took uh, control over the capital of Central Darfur, Central Darfur, sorry, uh, Zalangay. And now what's happening is that they're advancing on El Ganina, which is the, uh, the capital of West Darfur. And uh, if, if some of you are unfamiliar, El Ganina is also where the body of um, uh, the governor of of the West Darfur state was found, and it's it's pretty much very likely that the RSF was the one that killed him. And um, you know, West Darfur, just Darfur in general, but West Darfur in particular has been the site of a lot of the the worst uh, massacres by the RSF in this particular conflict. Obviously, the RSF and you know, the Janjaweed kind of have a very, uh, they have a very bad relationship with the, the Darfur area, but as far as this, you know, historically speaking, but as far as this conflict goes, uh, West Darfur has been the site of some of like the worst massacres against minority populations, um, you know, sexual abuse or violence and things like that. Old habits talking, by God to them, I guess. Yeah. Um, and what's happening now is it appears as though the RSF is going to be advancing on El Fashion, which is the capital of North Darfur. And if they take that, it's it's looking like it's it's looking like uh, it's looking it's looking pretty bad because, um, you know, as far as we know, they also control. I mean, so they control the second largest city. Right. And then the largest city, Khartoum, the capital they control like 80% of it. So, you know, they, they control 80% of the capital city. They control uh, another major city in Amdurman. And then I believe they also control a significant portion of uh, the Kordofan region. And then they control very significant portion of Darfur. Now, from my understanding, the main areas of the Sudanese military control is like the central part of the country and um, the east. So, and, and like the, you know, the major ports that are along that kind of eastern area of control for the Sudanese military. So what happens from here, it's not, it's not looking good. I, I, I don't know what, what, what the plan to end this is or like if, you know, because the RSF, right, traditionally, they're, they were kind of like, they're a mobility unit, right? That's kind of like their whole thing. It's like they would fight wars very They in a have very no elites manner. backing them inside the country. The political elite don't back them. So that's where we'll see what happens. Like, they would have to, like, rule through military dictatorship and how long and, and will that, they and be that's, able to and do that's that? The, that's the thing, that's the thing that, that I'm kind of, like, wondering right now is, like, the whole point of the Janjaweed and like their whole strategy, the RSF strategy for a while was that they were like the, the mobile units, right? They would like, they, they were very, they were able to move in and out of an area very quick and do a lot of damage very quick. 
And well, now when, they're we, trying when to... we did our um, uh, the Janjaweed episode, the thumbnail was Devil's Horsemen, right? Are they not just uh, basically a cavalry unit? Is that not basically what they are? Yeah, they just have technicals now instead of horses. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. The highlights the works just as well. So the, the question is, is like, can they fight like an entrenched war, right? Where they have to hold on to territory. And I think another important thing to note is that there have been, you know, some peace talks going on, U.S. and Saudi brokered peace talks going on between the two sides in Jeddah. And um, it, it's kind of, it's not really productive because a lot of the major First off, all of all of this was happening as the peace talks were going on, right? And the other thing is, is like a lot of the major leaders from both sides aren't really engaged in the peace talks. So it's like if you have all these important figures who aren't really interested, then what good is it, you know? So I don't know. It's it's looking it's looking kind of bleak. I mean, like it is. As far as, like, Sudan goes, right, that is arguably, like, the worst humanitarian crisis in the world right now. The amount of people who are displaced, you're talking about, like, 7 million people, uh, a lot, a lot of people killed. Um, you're talking, like, disease outbreaks and, like, IDP camps and stuff and in the capital and things like that. It's just, it's it's not good, man. It's just really not good. It's it's one of just, like, the, the worst situations going on in the world right now that is that is largely just ignored it's just like kind of yeah. put off to the side where are those seven million people going a lot of them so the seven million are into much, slavery pretty much like hmm. all within sudan and um there's about one million or two million that are outside of sudan mostly in chad though Okay. And some are in Egypt, but the Egyptian border with Sudan is pretty fucking closed off. So people who go to Egypt generally already have a means to go there beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I gotcha. It's not like it's not like Chad where you can just kind of flee through the border. People who can afford cars are going to be fine. Yeah, people who can afford cars, people who have relatives, you know, people yeah. can do stuff like that. I also wanted to mm -hmm. say, um, in the stream that we'll do with Myanmar talking about it more in depth we'll probably be talking to somebody who's been tracking their weapons and stuff and talk about the 3d printed weapons they've been using when we do that stream yes those are really popular those are really popular with the pdf so hopefully we'll do that stream this week are they the fgc nines stuff like Some that of them. hell yeah <laughs> i think the, the i think even like the cooler aspect of it is how many of their weapons are like handcrafted Interesting. Mm -hmm. Anything else we want? Sick. Anything else we want to touch on? Oh, did I? Did we? I think last time we may have mentioned that Azerbaijan is probably going to take southern Armenia. Armenia. Yeah. Watch out for that. Anything else that like that? Don't you think though that like uh, that would force the EU or the US to intervene? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't want to get too much into it because we've spent enough time on the intro. I'm just saying, maybe. Right. Watch out for those headlines, yeah. you know? Is there anything else like that we want to look at headlines for? The girl who was killed in Iran, like, I don't know if protests mm. are going to be starting from there. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. It doesn't look like it. And we'll see, you know, obviously with how it plays out with Israel. Mm. Other than that, I'm not sure if there's any other ones going on. I'm sure there is. 
I'm sure there's stuff a, there's in South a, America. There's a thing in Guinea, but I'll save that for the Sino Talk intro. Mm. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right, so here's our uh, episode about uh, guns, where Jack finally gets to talk about Australian gun laws. We have a weapon more powerful than the British Empire, and that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own, any institution but our own. Hi, my name is Jordan, and I'm the owner of A Better Way 2A. A Better Way 2A's goal is to improve gun culture. Essentially, what we're trying to do is make it so that the toxicity that has been historically prevalent in gun culture, where gun culture has typically not been as welcoming to people who haven't fit the bill of a straight white man, um, we're trying to make it so that it's more accepting and open to people of different backgrounds, ethnicities, gender identities, all that jazz. So you're trying to make guns woke? Yeah, pretty much. Guns have always been woke, I hate to tell you. But uh, we, um, we're, yeah, we're trying to bring it back into the uh, the mainstream and, and um, just make it accessible for everybody because it's a right that everybody should have. Everybody does have, whether, you know, irregardless of how easy it is for them to obtain. But we just want people to feel comfortable enough to be able to exercise that right and uh, do so safely. And have fun. Obviously, I'm using the w word woke as a joke, but yeah. can you uh, give, a, for those that don't know, can you give a history on like a progressive gun culture? Uh, Black Panthers is one of the, probably the best examples of that. Black Panthers started carrying guns because essentially the cops weren't doing enough to protect black people in their neighborhoods. And uh, on top of that, they were over-policing black neighborhoods and people did not feel safe. So they essentially took up arms to defend their own neighborhoods without the bias and prejudice of the police officers that were doing it before them. And um, this was not really seen before in, in the U.S. to such a degree because we, we see exactly what happened when that started becoming more prevalent, uh, especially in California when Reagan passed the Mulford Act, as when the Black Panthers showed up at the Capitol armed, which was legal at the time to do. It was only after that that he passed the Mulford Act, which explicitly banned people from carrying guns on the Capitol. Can you talk about the NRA's response to this? So my history with the NRA is is a little foggy, but up until recently, like within the last, uh, probably the 90, 94 crime bill or slightly before that, the NRA has co-sponsored some gun control, uh, a lot of gun control. They, they co-sponsored the, or they supported the NFA back in the day, um, National Firearms Act, which created uh, NFA items, which made it hard to get machine guns, suppressors, all that fun stuff. And um, they've only really until recently started putting a foot down and saying, you know, they're not going to budge anymore. They did, however, uh, they did play a part in kind of taking some of the meat out of the original uh, National Firearms Act because they wanted to include pistols in that also, if I'm, uh, if I'm, saying that correctly and they they were able to get the pistols removed from the nfa but overall the nra has never really stuck up for black people they've never they've never really been a voice for for marginalized uh communities got a great little uh thing here where here from the nra why gun control doesn't work weird because it seems to be they're the ones who keep putting it in place so yeah
Yeah, the NRA is definitely interesting. I feel like because they're such a big name, people just automatically assume that they are the ones out there fighting for people's rights. When you know they they are they are a big uh, they they have a lot of money and they have a lot of pull for sure. But that's the only thing they do. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really it. Unfortunately, they're more about white guns than anything. Yeah, so, or you so. see, they won't. You know, they're they're big on on. Uh, very rarely do they ever step in and do anything about um, ARs, assault rifles. They don't, you never really hear uh, Wayne LaPierre on TV talking about assault rifles or anything like that. It's, it's, you see a lot from organizations like Firearms Policy Coalition and um, National Association for Gun Rights, things like that, but not a ton from the NRA. So let's talk about gun control, and this is where we can open up more into a conversational period. So is uh, gun control good or bad? I would say gun control is bad if I had to pick one or the other. Gun control has historically been able to be circumvented by people who are able to afford to or people who are able to, uh, well, let's go back in time. So gun control, the first iterations of gun control were essentially after we started freeing slaves in this country and we had freed black men who were supposedly able to have the same kind of rights as as white men in this country um but the white former slave owners in this country didn't like the idea of black men owning guns so they would pass laws that forbade black men from carrying guns in public which made it significantly more difficult for them to defend themselves when you had bands of racists roaming the countryside trying to lynch them. So if one of them was carrying a gun, they'd be arrested. And if they weren't carrying a gun, they'd be lynched. You had the black codes in south, down south um, when in order to purchase a firearm, you would have to have things like a like a literacy test. Things like this were done intentionally to kind of skirt the requirement that a law couldn't be racist because by saying, oh, you have to be able to read, you have to be able to check these boxes, you're not necessarily saying that we don't want black people to own guns. But when the majority of the black population at that time was unable to fulfill the requirements that they were requesting, it ended up being re very restrictive for the black population. So you've, you've had historically, you know, gun control, even after the NFA, the NFA, the reason we have a $200 tax stamp in this country was because the Thompson submachine gun back then cost $200. And they specifically wanted the Thompson submachine gun to be inaccessible by the majority of the people who were using it. Meaning if you were rich, you could still buy a Thompson machine gun. They just wanted poor people to have to spend the money, which they weren't going to be able to do in order to buy it. So, you know, whether you want to go the classist route or the racist route, there's plenty of, I hate to use the word here, but ammunition to, to back up your argument that, uh, you know, there, there's never been, even now, I mean, you can go to the most restrictive state in the country. And if you fulfill the right requirements, you can have an armed guard follow you around and offer you protection. So gun control has never really been about saving lives it's been about keeping specific demographics from owning guns and it's it's not any less true now than it has been in the past but australia banned all the guns and then never had mass shootings ever again <laughs> yeah that's um it's one of those fun facts like the uh people like to say how how firearm homicides went down in 94 after the assault weapons ban and went back up again <laughs> when it when it sunsetted they don't talk about the the <clears throat> 
extra the extraneous information like the fact that it took australia 10 years to turn in 600,000 guns when the united states has has over 300 million people in this country and we have enough guns to arm every person aged 0 to 99 three times so <laughs> i forget i forget what the the time <laughs> yeah it's so it's so funny to me because you know, it's it's really tough to talk about gun control and, and to compare the United States to other countries because the United States is we're kind of like a like a bastard stepchild of of other countries. We're not you can't compare the U.S. to any other country. And I don't mean that in a good way or in a bad way. It's just there. There's not really any other country like us. And the people that have done comparisons like that, you know, there have been uh, you can compare us to other countries and, and say like the top 20 world economies. And the countries that we are similar to, one of the countries is South Africa. And as far as population diversity, as far as history of, of racial violence and conflict, and South Africa also has very strict gun laws, but their, their firearm murder rate per capita is much higher than ours. People don't look at countries like that. Yeah, I, I, I always laugh at the Australia stat because it's, it's usually meant as a trump card by somebody who doesn't know the definition of what a trump card should be they they also don't understand that the statistics are actually wrong so i was gonna ask how much do you know about the australian gun laws because just like if we're gonna do this let's do it properly how much do you know about the effectiveness what happened how fast they implemented it all of this sort of stuff about australia because everybody i talk to who brings this up has no clue yeah, no, I, I'm going to be one of those people because I'm, mm. I know the superficial information about it. And yeah. other than the fact that it was, you guys had one mass shooting and implemented a mandatory gun buyback. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so, pretty cool. yeah. So basically this, it's a very interesting situation. I kind of looked into it for um, my own sort of curiosity's sake. And I found out that the um, gun crime had been dropping since 1988 at a consistent rate. 1996 comes around, the shooting happens, not the only mass shooting, by the way. There was about seven in the, I think, the 10 years prior, and they're about the same in the 10 years post. And really? there's been about the same mass shootings if you, and this is the thing, right? Australia, um, they manipulate their statistics to hide most mass shootings in domestic violence. And they've also raised the uh, criteria for a mass shooting from three dead to four and possibly five. I haven't looked into it recently. Really? So they've actually increased the amount required to qualify it for a mass shooting and then uh, lied about it when it's happened and hit it in domestic violence uh, statistics. So that's super interesting. Um, there was a mass shooting in Darwin in 2019, but that they don't talk about. They was don't even in... call it a mass shooting because it was in a household or something. No, this was in public. Guy just got out of jail, killed three people across an hour period in uh, in Darwin in 2019. Um, sawn-off shotgun, so a gun that you're not meant to be able to get, and nobody talked about it. Nobody cares. I don't even it remember hearing about that. Yeah. Nobody heard about it because nobody spoke about it. The Guardian reported on it once, didn't even call it a mass shooting. You know what they <laughs> called it? 
Uh, they called it um, <clears throat> a rampage, is what Murder they called spree. it. Oh, yeah, wow. something like that. Yeah. So it's just um, so that's that's just one thing, right? This this lie that there haven't been mass shootings in Australia is is not true. It's just fundamentally false. Um, on a Twitter account that got banned, I did like a full thread about it. There have been shootings, public and domestic, that have killed three or more people about 11 times since 1996. So it's, um, it's not actually an accurate statistic. And anybody who brings it up is instantly, in my mind, dismissed. Because it's like, well, if you're bringing this up, you clearly have no idea nor have you looked at the statistics. There, there's also conspiracies that it was like a false flag, which let's not get into that. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but there, there's always, I mean, there's always the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically 1996, the shooting happens. Uh, 12 days is how long it took to implement the gun laws. Have you ever heard a, a law implemented in 12 days into law in 12 days? Yeah, the no. partition that, of India. No. Oh, <laughs> does it does it ever that go went well? Swimmingly, no, <laughs> it never works, right? These these rushed legislations, it never works. Um, they, my favorite part about the legislation is shotguns. There are five categories of firearms. Shotguns sit in four of them. Really? Yep. You. In Australia, to buy a, a semi-automatic rifle, so like an AR, unrestricted, mm -hmm. is in the same category as a lever-action shotgun. Wow. Why? <laughs> Good question. I have no idea. Yeah, it sounds like some of the people who write our gun laws. Mm. It's because it has seven bullets in the... Uh, seven rounds in the uh, magazine. Wow. Yeah, that's why. And apparently that's as deadly as a, an AR. Yeah because logic um so yeah legislation here is fucking stupid yeah <laughs> oh there you are yeah the australian gun ident identification chart uh -huh. and screen. also um <clears throat> gel blasters stuff like that completely illegal yeah i i heard about um, that that was like completely illegal Jack, that's actually, so crazy to me actually look at this yeah. chart for a minute and actually read the names on it i can't read it Oh, maybe it's that's because I don't have my quality. glasses on, dummy. Hang on. Let me zoom in on it. No, I took my glasses off because I, it was reflecting the light back into the camera. <laughs> oh, that is Yeah, funny. this, this uh, sounds yeah. about right, yeah. Yep. I had one it's of those tracking. potato guns as a kid. <laughs> here, here, here's the real one that I'm pulling up now, though. They have like a... This is the one I found when I Googled it. So these are D rifles? Yep. Whatever that means. So that's uh, the so, category yeah, so D category rifles. D, yeah, category D is um so basically A and B is easily owned. So A is <laughs> the, the, the fucking browning browning, yeah, the browning automatic rifle. It's I love how they call it a browning bar, semi automatic center fire rifle, but Well that's that's because they destroyed a lot of these historical firearms in the buyback. Yeah, that makes sense. So and it's see how it says New South Wales police, yeah. yeah. New South Wales is the worst of it. Yeah, New South well, Wales are the worst. Like if you have a folding stock on a rifle, it's illegal in New South Wales. Wow. Yeah, because the folding stock makes it more deadly. Here we go. Perfect. So yeah, category A is like rim fires. So twenty twos. Um, 
Yeah. Single shot shotguns, black powder. Um, B is center, uh, center fire rounds, but magazine capacity limits, right? C, uh, C is semi-automatics with under five rounds, I think. D is basically unrestricted. And then handguns is in its own. And it takes 18 months to get a handgun license. Wow. And you need is... to shoot 10 competitions a year to maintain it. But the cops shoot once a year and can carry firearms. Does so that make sense? Carry you can't carry a gun with a handgun license nope. in Australia, can you? Nope. Just go to the range. Well, I mean, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't. But uh, I don't think it'll yeah, end that's, well. That's crazy. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. Anytime someone brings up Australian gun laws, tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I usually do. Well, um, nicer, I'm nicer than that, but I have I have this source now. It's it's gonna it's gonna paywall me, but I just want to read the headline here. So I got I'm gonna refresh right and uh, Swedish police chief. No international equivalent for Sweden's wave of bombings, right? So yeah, bombings okay. bombings in Sweden, 2018, 162 bombings. 2019, 97 bombings. Most of the bombings are associated with criminal gangs. Are they the grenade attacks? Areas. And then there's more. that The grenade attacks are a completely different category. The grenade <laughs> attacks are even older of a tradition of happening in Sweden, right? So those go back all the way to 1993. What? All right. So when we do this thing where we talk about America and like how these uh, crimes against society with mass shootings are out of the ordinary, it's just bullshit because they happen in like so many, not all countries, but different countries. And they normally happen in strings as well. Like, cause as soon as one happens it inspires the rest. Exactly. So it comes down to how do you actually treat crimes against society? Sweden supposed to be one of those great nordic countries you wouldn't think that they would have you know that many bombings and this is something i say all the time is you ban guns we're just going to have oklahoma city bombing stuff again. absolutely this is that's not a when, when assault problem, weapons a... were banned bombs rose so yeah and it's it's not a gun problem it's a violence problem and i try to explain that to people who who call for gun control is, is you're not going to get rid of the desire to commit violence by getting rid of a tool used to to do so it's look at France when they had the uh, the guy drive a car through a crowd of people. It yeah, is so that's, easy. That's with... one of the he also had an assault rifle on him too. Yeah, yeah. He which... didn't even he didn't even really use it. No, well he didn't need to, but yeah, because that was U-Haul truck is more effective. It is so ridiculously easy to get a rental car, and you know I I don't want to give anybody any ideas, but it's you know there there's the the reason people don't do that is because we have guns in this country. But getting rid of guns, which is impossible to do would only make way for that to happen so it's it's you're giving up one tool for another it's not going to solve yeah. the problem so i just found this because i knew i had it saved somewhere so uh when i said since the 80s firearms deaths were going down here's the graph <laughs> yep so 95 just before the shooting happened it was, it was at, at its, its lowest, lowest point in 15 years and that's and exactly then, Sorry. The my favorite part is that in ninety in uh, ninety six the ninety five it dropped, right significantly because people were uh, understandably paranoid about it, and then went straight back up and continued down on the same path afterwards. So wow. the um the actual act of banning all the firearms in Australia did completely nothing. 
absolutely nothing. Um, there was also a breakdown on firearm type used here, right? 80 to 95. Notice this one, the military, military style. style. Uh, number of homicides, 27. Shotguns, 326. 326. That's similar to... Hunting for... rifles. Oh, wow. In homicides, right? Now, how interesting that 63% of homicides were used hunting rifles, and you can still buy those. Yeah. But for some reason, we can't buy uh, semi-automatic rifles because 85 people died. Well, and this is and the crazy does thing Does that about... make sense? No, and it's the same thing that people get hyped about here is, is assault rifles, quote-unquote, are used in less than 1% of all firearms homicides a year in this country. And somehow that is what everybody latches onto. It, it's it's just something with the way the rifle looks and how it's publicized. Yeah, well, it's it's mimetics. It's the media. It's the the hype about it. It's the one hundred uh, kill count. The it's it's gamification of mass murder. Yeah, that's that's what it is. And I yeah. I blame the media. That's the first 100%. time you use the word gamification of mass murder. That's a really good term. That you just have I not said that there. before? No, I haven't heard you I say gamification before. But that's a new I mean, trendy word. I guess it's because we use the term mimetic more, which yeah, is so a like, more fun word. <laughs> this is one of my favorite graphs. And this is right this just says rifles. It doesn't necessarily mean military mm. style, but it's two point yeah. six. Yeah, but it's all right. That's why I say anyone who talks about gun yeah. control and they don't bring up handguns, they're not somebody mm. who's serious about gun control. Yes. No, and you notice half the gun deaths in this country are suicides. And how often That's, will you ever hear well, these? More than half. It's it's, oh yeah, it's, more it's than it's half. But what do last... you know? I also wanted I also have charts <laughs> charts for that yeah. already pulled up. John, you're the chart man. I like so. it. No, that's and that's the thing is if you don't hear somebody talk about suicides, if that's not honestly, if that's not the first thing they talk about, then they don't care about gun control. They care that, about the guns. That jump in homicide care about saving is people. Yeah. wild. Yeah, I yeah. mean, well, look at it was <laughs> wow. the last wow. time it jumped like that was the '94 crime bill. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then 2021 during the lockdown when everyone was forced to stay at home with their spouses. Well, huh. it's between 16 and 21. <laughs> yeah. But that was the, the the first year of the lockdown had an insane yeah, I don't, jump. And... That's the thing. This is like uh, there's certain stats. Like we don't have a lot of stuff post-COVID stats because mm. it's going to take a while to like adjust the statistics. Yeah. You know? And then also like a lot of stuff with like um, arms sales and arms trafficking. Be since the war in Ukraine started, we have significantly less data as well because so I'm much sure. of the data is being controlled. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, um, yeah, there there's... Jack, to talk uh, to what you were saying earlier about the trend of gun violence that was going down before their their gun buyback, that's a piece of information that people don't often bring up here when they're talking about the 94 crime bill that we had, is that gun deaths were trending downward before the 94 crime bill and were starting to trend upwards again before it sunsetted. But mm -hmm. people just look <clears throat> at the numbers before the bill and after before the bill, and they say, yeah. well, it was so much worse after the bill, even though it was continuing to trend downward and then reached a, uh, a valley and started going back up again before. And they say, well, clearly after the bill was, was sunsetted, then uh, crime rose again. But they don't talk about what happened in between those two dates. No. Let's see if I can find 
of the statistics because I had a bunch of statistics when I did that thread. Um, because like I had to track them down, right? I had to track down these instances. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this interesting. This... I just found a table of violent deaths of, by firearm from 1915 to 94 in Australia. Oh wow! The highest number ever recorded was 1988. What number was that? 395. That is, I mean, obviously Australia has a fraction of the population um, yeah. of the US, but um, it is interesting. You know, we, we have, I will say that gun culture in, in America, you know, we, we have the, any instance where you've got quote unquote more freedom versus less freedom. I hate using that term because it's so subjective, but, um, more ability to make your own decisions or to have agency over your own safety, things like that. I, I will err on the side of, you know, more rights versus fewer rights. Um, mm. But it is a side effect of having this many, this, it, it, I don't think it's the number of guns. I think it has much more to do with like socioeconomic problems in our country than, than the guns themselves. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say with the controversial graph I just had up, right? The so, imprisonment one? Yeah, but like look at how much the imprisonment was spiking. Like it went out, yeah. down after the bill, technically, you know, because it was, it, it doesn't necessarily huh. show that the bill was preventing it. But this is like, I mean, incarceration, like getting lower is, is okay. Like if we can prove the crime bill actually did lower incarceration rates, that's cool, I guess. But then this one is what you were saying about how violent crime was already trending downward. It doesn't get steeper after the crime bill. Really. No, you it's, know? It, it's, it's it goes the in the same, same grade. And that, yeah. that's literally what happened Almost in like Australia. Almost like it's societal, too. huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's what happened in Australia, too. Literally coinciding with, and I say this all the time, right, is basically Australia and America coincided in a downtrend of violent crime. So I, here I found another um, another table here that I'll just share. Well, and this is this is a, another crazy thing is that we live in the safest time period now that we have ever lived in, with the exception of I think I think twenty twenty one, we have the lowest violent crime rate ever in this country, and if you ask people, I think it's something like sixty eight percent of Americans believe that to be false. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not much, surprised at all. No, and a lot of it's because of how much the media, mm -hmm. it, the 24-hour news cycle is terrible. You know, every Fearful. everyone, it's fear sells, and and mm. you know if 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 it bleeds, it leads. There's there's uh, yeah. there's no shortage of people trying to find violence that that looks good on television. No, exactly. So this is an interesting table that I got. So there's a multiple killings with the firearm in Australia where it's two or more. See what I mean about them changing statistics? Yeah. Right? They always change it. So notice 94, 95, zero. And then yep. two in 96, and that's when the ban came in. There was five in 92, six in 87. Right? But you see how there's yeah. it was never really a problem. It was like a thing that kind of happened. Yeah. And yeah, it's unfortunate. But why now? Why there? That's the question I always ask. Why? Why did they decide to do at it that time? Why did I mean, they decide? I mean, uh, if it's trending anyway, then uh, they can get credit even if the bill's a total failure. 
Yeah, and it was a total failure. And John Howard mm-hmm. has continued to harp. And I, I think, and this is just me speculating, I think that John Howard is the reason the media doesn't talk about the fact that the gun laws have done nothing except for deliver the state control and the monopoly and violence. Like, that's about it. Um, I'm not sure whether you saw, but during COVID, they were like um, full riot gear to shoot at protesters with like rubber yeah. bullets and shit. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. Dude, These it was people really... were just standing around and they just got fired upon yeah. for standing there. And then all the idiots on the side of the state are like, oh, why did they leave all their rubbish there? <laughs> we're getting shot at, you fucking idiots. It was really crazy it's to see ridiculous. that happen. Hey, I know you're dying, but could you clean up a little bit? Could you not bleed all over my carpet? You know, Dude, Australia had literal internment camps for COVID. And it was so weird as an American who was, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I was kind of like in the middle of the road as far as the, um, as far as like protective measures went, because I, I were, I'm a first responder, not a cop. Um, but I'm a firefighter and was working the whole time. So I kind of became quickly desensitized to a lot of the COVID stuff um, only because I was around it so much. We wore masks when we went into people's homes, we wore masks, uh, you know, when we went into the like ambulance and things like that. Um, but by and large, didn't wear masks around each other at work. Um, we did for the first few weeks and then it, it we just, like I said, just became desensitized to it. Um, but I, but I very much understood, you know, why people were concerned. I, I understood the precautions that were being t- taken by by individuals on an individual level, and it was. Uh, but but I felt that I couldn't say, you know, hey, look at how crazy Australia is right now, without people assuming I was like an anti-vaxer, mm-hmm. even though it's like objectively weird the shit that you guys were having to deal with. Yeah, like absolutely. Like, not China level where people are like scooping your dogs up and killing them. But you know, what's funny about China. We did it first that that policy, uh, Daniel Andrews in Victoria did it first, that whole zero COVID thing. That was an Australian policy really directly from Australia. And it just culminated in the perfect policy that China could use to, um, uh, weld people inside their homes and kill their animals. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Let me, let me just find something here. Um, I I think the wildest video that I saw, and I I don't mean wild in in like a like a funny and entertaining way, but but mm-hmm. in a in a scary that things were getting that bad kind of way out of China was when people were drone fishing. They were literally using f- drones to fish out of their apartments for fish because they yeah. couldn't leave their apartments to get food. But yeah, Sorry, no, I mean to wild. circle back towards that. I mean that's. You know, I, I, one of the examples I constantly bring up is when you look at the the BLM protests and you look at the protests where there were armed protesters versus unarmed protesters, and you look at the mm-hmm. discrepancies between uh, the two examples and, and look at how law enforcement treated the protesters. And it's it's vastly different. They were significantly less violent towards, if at all, by towards the there were armed members and you know, they weren't shooting them with beanbags and rubber bullets knowing that they could be shot back at. 
And I think Australia is a perfect example of what happens when you know nobody is going to be armed for the most part. Mm-hmm. This is this was uh, my favorite one. So this was something I did during thing. Um, basically, they so just for a bit of context here, they had had previous issues with remote indigenous communities with COVID, and their solution was to roll in a bunch of RVs and basically give them space to isolate which is what you should be doing, right? That's a good idea. Um, in Northern Territory, they're like, ha internment camps for only Aboriginal people. And they force them oh, no. into these camps and bust them to the camps, which is not good optics. Oh, and no. And three of the te- three teenagers who were all negative to COVID, by the way. I out. heard about this. Mm. And then they shut down Darwin. Yes. Track these kids down even though they were negative with COVID. Literally didn't have it. They were searching everybody's car for these kids, and they just wanted to get the fuck out of that prison. <laughs> Holy shit. It, it was so wild. Um, and I heard about this. Problem with they, this. like, jumped the fence. Nobody. Literally. Yeah, yeah literally jumped so, the fence. so scared. They can be so scared for their own safety. Imagine going to prison for being sick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, so because that's, free, this is the that's freedom, free country. You're told, you know, I mean, because I I understand the thought that people might have about isolating if you're sick, but you're also having to put the trust in the people who have shown historically that they can't be trusted. You're literally saying, okay, I'm going <laughs> to put my my life in the hands of the state, and and trust that they have my best interests at heart. And if you don't like that idea then, yeah, you're treated like a criminal. Speaking about criminals, I wanted to talk about this uh, in free countries. Because um, this is also, you see, like, a, this This is a, somebody wrote a paper in response to people blaming the 94 crime bill for the incarceration rate. And it's and it's called, this is called, no reason to blame the liberals saying that the Sentencing Reform Act of 1984, but also even before that it was going up, you know? So there's yep. been two bills that they have used to address it. To address the... Yeah. To address it, what, specifically? The, the incarceration rate and criminal population, right? Stop jailing yeah. people for weed, you fucks. Yeah, that's... Like, Trump is... <laughs> ironically, Trump yeah. is the one who has probably done something that will actually be good for the criminal justice system. I know. Thank God for Kim Kardashian. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two sentences I would never think would be. Uttered. I know, right? No, I give him credit for the First Step Act all the time. It's such a good bill. Yeah, it's the only thing he ever did. I would love more bills like that. Mm. And it's it's just crazy. It came out of like the most like outwardly fascist admin we've had since Andrew Jackson. Arguably, and that was before like, fascism existed. Dude, it's so funny because it's arguably like he. If you were to just say like, "Hey, this guy banned bump stocks," and created the first step act you'd be like oh that guy's a liberal for sure <laughs> <laughs> hates well, guns wants. and wants to <laughs> wants to ban uh people who smoke or wants to wants to get people out of prison who smoked weed absolutely guy's a democrat and now it's funny because <laughs> uh i almost said ted cruz again i keep almost calling him <laughs> ted cruz DeSantis tries to run to the right of him so then trump starts being like well i need to go even further right so now so now he's talking about killing drug dealers and it's oh like didn't God. you pass the first step act and he's like yeah but that was different 
<laughs> like nobody holds them to account. It's so politics. funny, even for his successes. And they try to say like, "Oh, liberals don't like the good things he did." Shut the fuck up. First <laughs> step act is based. Okay, to get back on track, what do you think about uh, stand your ground laws? Oof. Um. I, man, I I don't think that it's. I think it's really tough to say, and this is where one of those, one of the, this is one of those times where I try to stay consistent in my values and it's tough because of the examples that I seen, that I've seen that want to push me to the contrary. Um, like I said before, I think having more autonomy is better than having less autonomy and having the ability to decide for yourself when your life is in danger, instead of having to wait or uh, wait for the court to decide before or after the fact, whether you're alive or dead, or possibly being scared to use deadly force because you're not sure if it's justified. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would have to say that in, in the sense that, so Connecticut, I learned within the last probably two years, Connecticut actually has stand your ground laws. Um, in the uh i'm sorry it has a castle doctrine which i didn't think connecticut had um and i I, so i believe that in a perfect world stand your ground laws would be great because in a perfect world everyone would assume somebody else was armed and only somebody who was truly trying to do something awful and, and heinous would attack somebody else which then would justify using deadly force. We don't live in a perfect world and people are assholes and subjective and people assume things that aren't true often. And sometimes those assumptions end up with people dead. So something like Connecticut has where you've got a, you've got a castle doctrine, which essentially allows you to uh, use deadly force if somebody is breaking into your home, if somebody's in your home. I think something Most like based that American law ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think something like that is, is appropriate because uh, I think somebody has to make a, 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 a series of unreasonable decisions. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's pretty easy to not be an asshole. It's pretty easy pretty to not easy. break into someone's house, into yeah. someone's house. It's actually right? very easy not to break into someone's house. <laughs> I've never <laughs> fallen into somebody's thing. house. Like, yeah, Oh, yeah. Shit, I'm, breaking oh no i accidentally broke into this house it doesn't happen right it's an actual conscious choice and if and the the other really really base piece of legislation is the um uh felony murder which i think is one of felony murder is one of the most interesting pieces of legislation so if someone dies while you're committing a felony um so yeah so basically there's a situation where um uh, a chick was in a car two people broke into a house the guy had taught his mum how to use a gun the mum used the gun killed both chick in the car got double homicide oh based (laughs) i so i didn't know that was a thing yeah how did i not know this yeah so because because she was involved with the original crime because she was involved in a felony and people died while that felony was being wow. committed. She got hit with a double murder charge. 
why didn't I, wow, why didn't I know this? See, I've heard of, I've heard mm. of examples of that in the, in the sense that, you know, somebody was driving and committing reckless driving and killed people and they got charged with murder. Oh uh, yeah. No, this is like, because, didn't no, that's like, do it, but yeah, like, disconnected was involved and, with a felony and therefore it goes on her. I get uh, it. Which yeah, is, I, mean, I think is a pretty good deterrent yeah, to do yeah, crime. Cause like, you know, it, <laughs> and it sucks because there there will always be those people which I, I understand there there will always be those people who say you know you're you're taking the stance that your belongings are worth more than somebody's life but it's not the belongings that I'm saying are worth more than this person's life it's the fact that humans can't read brains and when mm-hmm. somebody's breaking down your door you don't know if they just want your TV or if they want to rape your family and kill you yeah. we had the Cheshire home invasion uh 20 minutes north of me where where these guys came in and did exactly that and the father look at the uh, golden state killer yeah you know? yeah you know you don't you don't know you don't have time to to guess whether somebody is trying to steal something to pay for food or to trade for food or hmm. is trying to come in because they're having uh, a a desire to do horrible things to you and your family and so i think when you when you have that um that situation you know i I think that the fact that the benefit of the doubt is given to you that um you know you you use deadly force only because you had to because this person was breaking into your house uh i think is good you know i wish it didn't have to be a thing Mm, yeah um i wish people would just leave other people alone Uh, i mean Here's an example people like to call upon. And there's a even a viral clip that they'll meme. The guy will get the laser eyes at the end. <laughs> so it's an it's an older guy. He just has a 22 revolver. Two people are breaking in. And he responds. And as they're running away, he continues shooting and fatally kills the woman. And uh they are interviewing him on the news, and she's like, and they were running away. She's screaming, I'm pregnant. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. So I shot her anyway. And that's when they go like the alpha meme, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's I've like, seen that. then it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, that I mean, like the laws are so loose in a lot of these states that that one is totally like, you know, and like, you know, there's the argument. It's like, oh, you never know. They could turn around and still have a gun if he, like, you know, retreated yeah. or something. So you keep, know? keep it raised. And if they turn around. Yeah. I just that's just one of those things. It's training. That that's it's one of those it is. It's one off because I mm. I had to uh, cater to a squirrel. But when you said you've heard arguments <laughs> that like make you kind of feel a different way on it, that's just one of those anecdotal stories. Yeah. that Like I know that make me feel I don't know about it. But that's also the benefit of having a court, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's the that's the standard of of reasonability that often gets brought into these these cases where if a reasonable person was put in the same position, would they have made the same choice you did? Mm-hmm. And obviously, that I would think is fairly subject, fairly objective, subjective, subjective. Sorry, I get the two words yeah. confused sometimes. It's it's silly. Twenty. I'm thirty three years old, but uh, <laughs> um, me too. But that's. Are you thirty three? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I stopped counting. Nineteen ninety one. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I was nineteen ninety, but okay. I think well, I'll be turning thirty three. Time's a construct. We I'll be know. turning thirty three in like a few months. Nice. Well, happy almost birthday. Yeah. 
Like um, I said, I stopped counting. It's like I, I it's like a check in every five, you know. After thirty, <laughs> after 30 it doesn't matter. Any. Yeah, you just you you light the fires uh, in your chimney once a winter, and that people know <laughs> not to uh, not to clean out your house. Watch. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's all of these instances, and most mass shootings are this as well, right? They're they're not necessarily connected, except for like the not the neo-nazi ones obviously are the medic and connected to each other and reference yeah. each other and whatnot like um the, the new zealand shooter reference yeah the drawing Brevik. you know white on the gun you know there's just yeah a like in all of that sort of stuff white swastikas oh that was feds mm. oh yeah that was the false flag that was, was, that was the feds yeah yeah that's why he killed himself because yeah. they can't because they'd be tor- it would be tortured out of him that he was a secret agent i don't well, know go on oh, i'm sorry um, we, we, well, we just made a post about uh, okay i'll go and then you go yeah, we, yeah okay, okay. we just made a post about this how in our state we had um nazis holding up a sign that said keep connecticut white and there we were actually talk people... about them in the last episode we just did did you that we released yep it's, oh, a, awesome. it's actually it's actually a big chunk of it's about those guys that's cool With... well it's not cool but you know i'm glad you guys talked about it and somebody commented or i forget if they commented or wrote it in our messages but uh they said, you know, like five out of seven of them are feds though, right? Like you guys know this, right? And my first thought is like, you don't think Nazis protest? Like you don't think seven of them could get together? I mean, they literally had groups that would make whole I don't know. There's like nine of them in existence. I know. It's so (laughs) weird to me that like that people are just so that so so blinded by whatever bias they have also that, you can mm. research these people yeah yes what's the one that's the the meme lords who have no hair on their legs where you are uh what socialist network yeah one of them is like uh it says that he goes into public places filming himself meowing like a cat at people mm-hmm. Sounds okay. right. and that was like his secret identity your hair back. that mm-hmm. i got and he's was, on tiktok um... being like a weird furry incel cool neat epic so, there was um two of those there. guys went to my gym for a little bit and then they got kicked out <laughs> what did they have like nazi tattoos? they i don't think they have tattoos do. but they're like i show their tattoos like in this video too the the main guys in this reject group yeah because like there's there's the base which is like the main neo-nazi group in australia and then these guys are the ones who they told to fuck off and these guys were told to fuck off by the new zealand shooter that's how pathetic they are wow <laughs> From. And none of them can grow hair on anywhere on <laughs> yeah. their body. I show I, hair on I specifically do cut jump cuts yes, into I, their bare chest. <laughs> Maybe they shave, man. Maybe they shave their chest. It's just, it's just very funny because superhero were chest. It was, a, it was a false flag because they had no hair on their legs and they were there protesting with Posey Parker and all the turfs <sighs> against trans people and shit. That's so funny. So it's um. Yeah, and and all the the turfs were trying to distance themselves, even though there's photos and videos of them talking and shaking hands with these Nazis. Yeah, I always, it's great. That's amazing. Mm. I uh, sometimes I have this thought that like you know, if I ever lost my job and my family left me and became just you know this person with infinite time on his hands and you can know, I resources. interrupt you for just one second? Yes. When you go to somebody's Instagram and it's just uh, clearly a guy in his house and it's just him taking pictures of his dog, problem. That that is a future domestic terrorist. No, I don't. I don't agree with that at all, man. I man, 
Before I had a kid, all I took pictures of were my dog. Well, no, actually. There's this soap guy. And like, I did a background search. Do you remember this guy, Jack? Yeah. I do a background search on him. I find his Instagram. Just an empty room. Like, like, you know the joke where it's like, guys will have this set up and it's just like a chair and a TV. It's like that level shit. And like. I go back and I find his ex-wife is going off on saying like that he's in the closet because this guy got like discharged from the army because he said a bunch of racist mm-hmm. shit online. This is just a random interaction I had with a guy on Twitter and it changed what? my life. What? <laughs> I'm never going to look at dog pictures the same again. <laughs> you ruined Instagram for you. Oh, dude. I just think, of, you know, <laughs> dogs are so wholesome to me. So like when somebody, I'm the kind of guy that will go out of his way to walk up to a dog. If a person is within earshot of me, I will ask if I could pet their dog. I I, I support this. Yeah, I, I've actually, so I was at work and I was in uniform and asked if I could pet this dog, but I didn't realize when I asked, I just went over and pet the dog. Like I didn't wait for a response really. And then uh, as I walked away, my coworker was like, dude, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you didn't even say anything to the owner. Like you, you literally, he's like, you spoke to the dog, you pet the dog and you walked away. You didn't even make eye contact with the owner once. I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. Like, I probably think what do you mean? Like, dog. <laughs> there's a, there's I didn't a even dog. acknowledge that he was there. So, yeah. I, yeah, I look at somebody, I've got like, this guy's got a lot of dog photos. I, and I want to think that it's just wholesome, but, you know, <laughs> ends up being a neo Nazi. I guess I won't be surprised either now. Thanks, John. <laughs> I think what I was going to say is if my family left me and I had all this time on the hands, my hands, I would want to create like a, a second coming of Q. Because I know that's how that started, you know, like uh, like just some guy coming up with some crazy conspiracies in his basement, and yeah, getting a bunch of people to jump on board. But I would want to do it for like good things. Like I would want to create a conspiracy. Oh, really? That- We've been talking about this forever. We've wanted to make one forever. Interesting. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Wrap up. Just uh, gun laws, obviously, uh, not going to affect white people as much as black people. New York. There's a history of this. You look at a. Uh, handgun laws in new york city and stuff like that the stop and frisk handgun laws it's always going to be the lowest income is always going to have the most crime so if you just arrest more poor people statistically have less crime statistically crime has to go down so why aren't we just putting the poors in prison is what i'm asking well that would be way too easy and uh you can't make it look like that's what you want to do perfect example so i for the longest time thought it was impossible to get your pistol permit in the city in the five boroughs and i was taking a class for work and met a guy from the city who told me that he had a pistol permit and i was like that's bullshit it's illegal and uh he said no it's not if you have fifteen thousand dollars because that's how much it costs to hire a lawyer who will drag you through all the loopholes to essentially get it so that you're able to get one because you have to have an excuse essentially to say like, I need a gun for protection in the city in order for them to issue you one. Well, you did before the, uh, the Bruin decision. I'm not sure how it works now, but that's what he did because he had 15 grand and uh, he, he got a permit to carry a gun in the city. And, and that is the prime example of same reason the, uh, the NFA is bullshit. Same reason most gun control is bullshit because if you have enough money and enough resources, you can get around it. And uh, why do you think that there's no mass shootings in a public area like New York City as compared to like always in Colorado? I I don't know if you're being sarcastic. or No, I'm not. I'm being oh, like, yeah. look at how often it is. It's always Colorado where you have like the military style weapon. Like, like Aurora. And, and, 
Yeah, it's 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 like uh, it's certain states are more than others. We still had one in Buffalo here, but like you know, you would think that yeah. if you wanted to do a mass casualty in, incident, you would just go to the center of a city and just like Al Qaeda it. Yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean that's really, that's literally what Al Qaeda and Daesh do is they go to the city center to do it. That's you know, it's really interesting. I actually wish I had an answer for that. I, I feel like I man. You have like petty crimes in cities, I feel like, and and you do have gun crime, but not really mass shootings. And that's that's interesting that there there isn't that uh, crossover there. Do you have an answer? Or are you asking me like uh, no, rhetorically? No, this is just one of those things where you look at like I think there's like uh, something to it where it's like even if somebody wants to do that in New York, just the ability to get an assault rifle on the island is like fucking impossible to begin with. Um, and I think there's if there's something where we want to look at gun control, not so much mass shootings, but if we look at like um, uh, domestic violence incidents are going to be a lot more successful when guns are involved. Yeah. Not, by successful, I mean murdering the yes. spouse as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Success, not I was like in a good way. Because I was comparing it to the second stat, which is like suicide being more successful. Yeah. Right. When they're done with guns. And this is why men are uh, more have killed themselves more is because they're more likely to use a gun and mm -hmm. they're more they're successful more for doing it. Are, yeah. So they talk about like, Oh, it's a mental health issue, which mass shootings are something completely different. I think domestic violence and suicide are more in that mental health range. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, how do you even address this? Yeah. You know, I thinking back on, on the mass shooting question, I, I do because it's eating at me now. I think mass shootings. So if you look, there's gun crime in major metropolitan cities, but they're crimes of opportunity and they're crimes of necessity. It's gang crime. It's, it's, it's theft. It's, it's armed robbery. You know, it's not like, um, it's, it's, if it's a murder, it's mostly like gang murders or domestic incidents like that. Mass shootings to me feel like more of an ideological crime. And I feel like that's why we call it crimes against society. Yeah. Even though that that means something completely different in the, the terms of the law, we've reclaimed the war, word and we're saying mm, it's yeah. a crime against society because I, it I just like makes it. sense. Because yeah. it explains like uh, when China, they go and stab school children, right? They like barricade the school and stab the children because they know they can kill the most there. Exactly. I don't mm. think that, I think if somebody wanted to go somewhere and, and just kill as many people as possible, I think it would be easy for them to pick a place in the country and do so because you can drive states over with a gun and just go to like a you know a baseball game um and, mm. and you don't even have to get inside past the metal detectors there's if you've ever been to a baseball game there's plenty of people there, there has been plenty of other incidents i saw one uh the other day it was a high school football game yeah yes it just uh recently happened right it was like yeah. three people got killed but i actually think that was a uh i think that was a, a result of like a former conflict yeah, and so, um, still. Yeah, yeah, but but, but I think that, that it's, it, it is strange that it doesn't happen in the middle of New York City. Yeah, I I think that it is, or it um, does. Yeah, or it does, and and yeah, it is very strange. I, I I wish there was a. That's something I want to look deeper into because you would think, with as much opportunities as someone would have to inflict as much danger damage as possible that big cities would there be actually more um, there was one on the subway and he was caught by a syrian immigrant remember yeah. that one it was yep. yeah 
but that that's rare in, yeah, in the city, especially the subway well. where everybody's in it's packed you're packed in like a sardine can you think yeah, that yeah. would be that's a target rich environment especially if you especially like even if you even if like my theory where i said bombings will happen if you ban guns no bombings on those subways yeah so yeah. why is it why is it certain parts of the country are more prone to these crimes against society than other parts of the country? It is we did see the Boston question. bombing, uh, but that you know that wasn't that also like Al Qaeda. It was. Well, they took credit. They they. That's gave what I'm saying. When you see yeah. when you see them, and also like for example, another the Tokyo subway attack that was like a cult terrorist group. It yes. wasn't like just somebody who was trying to fight back against society. You know? Exactly. It was when like those a... types of it's when these types of like uh, there was somebody uh, shot up a Fourth of July parade. You know, that's something where you could plan for people to be in one location. But a lot of yeah. these times, you'll see like a lot of times, especially if it's at a convenience store or something like that, those people had been planning to do shootings at a later date they already had it in their mind of over they just a year got ahead. fed up at that and they time. just said you know what today's the day and they went out and they just like yeah. tried to kill a few people and get like three at like a supermarket yeah although that that being said the uh the truck attacks and stuff the parade attacks where they're driving driving cars through crowds mm -hmm. that's new that could too. be cl classified as the same thing it is mm. yeah but i think we we classify uh mass shootings into three categories right is just yeah, the, the random kinds. ones yeah the random ones the crimes against society which are the mass shootings and then the medic shootings which are like the neo-nazi ones yeah when yeah. they paint their guns and stuff mm. but also they're, the they're most recent connected. one in jacksonville i think was both i think this, Interesting. yeah yeah he definitely had the medic element because he tried to shittily paint his gun white and stuff mm -hmm. like that uh did the manifesto thing and all had all the call signs there um and it's not like he there's another one that killed himself because I was talking to um militant wire about it being like when mm -hmm. I, I was like it's it's rare that they kill themselves at the end of these types of attacks. They normally want to be taken alive to prove a point. Yeah. Which is different because normally when it's like the crimes against society, they almost always are gonna end in suicide. Mm. Yeah, whether yeah. it's by themselves or suicide by cop. Mm -hmm. It was very yeah. interesting. Like it the is, Vegas one. The Vegas one wasn't a terrorist mm. attack, even though it killed a lot of people. But this, so this one with the Jacksonville thing, it was a terrorist attack, but he still killed himself, which is weird. Well, terror. A lot of one thing that people don't realize is that in order for something to be classified as terrorism, it has to be in, uh, with the it goal to, to further political. a political ideology. Yeah, mm. and that's why so, that's why as soon as you paint the swastikas on your gun and you call attention to the Christchurch shooter, it's, it's a, a terrorist ter attack. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah fun topic yeah well you know it's <laughs> well you know, i was waiting for one to get really dark with this because we've been very like queer and positive about guns for the last yeah. few so anyway why don't you promote your Ooh, podcast to sign out here yeah go for it oh and man whatever you want to promote plug some stuff well i am the owner of a better way to a and uh really makes me personally happy when you come and follow the page we've been at nine thousand nine hundred and like ninety four followers for the past week it goes up to like 98 and then 95 and then 96 and then 91 i'm just waiting to get to 10k because we're gonna do a super cool giveaway um giving away a ke arms cdr rifle it's their community defense rifle with a Oh my god, lead and steel uh Promethean optic and it's going to be super dope. Um and uh yeah, a better way to a podcast. 
we talk about guns. We sometimes talk about things that don't involve guns, trying to make the gun community better, gun culture, all that fun stuff. And uh, I think it's super dope. Plus, you get to listen to myself and Andrew, who is way funnier than me, talk. And uh, we have a good time. We'll have to have you guys on the show. Yeah, probably me because Jack Jack is not uh, adaptable to being across the world and upside down, you know. Well, uh, John, what what time zone are you in? I was going to ask that. Oh, I'm Eastern. Oh, so we're at least in the same time zone. Yeah, but like I'm like I'm like a, a an immortal deity. I'm ethereal. Like a there's only, like there's only <laughs> certain, pure energy. There's only certain times where like I need to be asleep and like as as you know between three and four a.m. 